0: Back in the day, when I was in college, me and the oldest took off to a lake in the wilds of glacier country. I have extensive backcountry exposure, even did a stint as a big game guide in a remote backcountry camp. On this day we enjoyed the fishing and settled in for the night. I pulled out my pan and stoked up a nice fire. It was clear and cool as the sun faded into the western slopes. We cooked up some fresh rainbows with garlic and butter and filled our stomachs. I leaned back against the cooler after pulling out a refreshing beverage. The boy was soon asleep by the fire as it had been a busy day. I sipped my beer and watched the moonlight bouncing off the little waves in the lake. There was still a light glow on the western horizon where the sun had gone down and I could see the outline of the mountain peaks towering over the little lake. I slowly faded off to sleep with the sound of the lake waves gently lapping on the rocks. I awoke with a start. The fire was out, the lantern was out too. The moon was gone and it was pitch black. Something was wrong. The hair on the back of my neck stood straight out. I was paralyzed. I could hear my heart thumping as I strained to hear something in the bush, all was quiet. I had a horrible uneasy feeling. I gathered myself together and started kicking around the fire, a small flame came alive and I quickly threw on some wood. In the firelight I could see that the boy had awoke and was shocked to see his wide-open eyes staring at me. ''What's wrong?'' he asked. ''Nothing, go climb in the tent.'' I lied. He crawled into the tent but even in the light of fire I couldn't shake my wariness. Something was out there in the bush and I could feel it was watching me. I gathered up my light and flashed around camp. Nothing. Finally, I began to calm down and crawled in the tent with the boy. Then again, like clockwork, I awoke completely tense. This time I couldn't shake the feeling at all. I finally instructed the boy to wake up and go get in the truck. I packed up all of camp and drove around to the other side of the lake and slept with him in the truck. At dawn I got up and looked across the lake where we were camped earlier, and another uneasy feeling came over me. I decided it was time to go home. I don't know what was out there, or what was going on over there, but I know my instincts, and something was bad wrong with that place. Whatever it was, I will leave it to your imagination. It creeps me out to this day thinking about that night. This was back when it was okay to build permanent tree stands nailed into trees. I had scouted out a new area and settled on an area where an oak flat joined a big thick swamp. It was pretty open except one grove of head-high palmettos and brush that came from behind my stand and went into the swamp. I was able to climb into a fork of an oak tree by climbing a small dogwood next to it. After hoisting up my wood and nailing up a very stable platform and seat about 15 to 20 feet up, I dumped out some corn and left. This was in the summer as I was hog hunting. It was two weeks before I made it back to hunt. Everything was fine as I walked in before daylight and got settled in. I noticed the corn was gone and lots of fresh hog sign that I could see by my small light. After everything got quieted back down, as I sat in the dark, I kept having that feeling of being watched. Now I have hunted, camped, and grew up in the woods and am completely at home day or night in the darkest deepest swamps, and never felt this feeling. I wasn't scared cause I didn't know to be. I just couldn't put my finger on it. The feeling never changed but I couldn't get used to it, I was just on edge I guessed. I never saw or heard any animals that morning that I can remember till I was climbing down about mid-morning. I had lowered my rifle, and was in the process of slithering from the oak to the little dogwood when I saw something out of the corner of my eye about the same time I heard it. I heard the crash and just barely caught sight of something running through the palmettos parallel to me. Now I say barely cause it looked like a huge, man-high, brown dog. Honestly, I thought buffalo instantly. How crazy is that? It crashed through the thicket and I heard it hit water. Sounded like a herd of hogs plowing through. I wrote it off as a deer.
2: Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds.
0: that jumped and I me glimpsing it, made it look different. Well I thought about that sight and the feeling I had had all morning, as I drove back home to do a little work before hunting again that evening. Around two or so that afternoon I was again walking back into that stand still thinking about the oddness of the morning. It was only a one quarter mile or so walk and I was there and settled in quick enough. Again, everything was oddly quiet. I had been sitting maybe an hour or so when I heard the faint splash of hogs I assumed, across the thicket in the swamp. As it got louder, instead of that excited, eager feeling you would normally get, I was getting nervous. It was so weird cause I had never felt that way before. Well what I thought were a bunch of hogs turned out to be one single critter. When it was within a hundred yards, I could hear it so plain and clear. Whatever it was, was in no hurry and stayed out of sight on my blind side across the thicket. I had scouted all this out and I knew the water that it was in was waist deep on me and this thing was picking its feet or legs clear of the water as it walked. I could hear the splash, drip, drip, splash as it put one foot in front of the other real slow like it was trying to be quiet. I thought it might be another person till I thought about how deep that water was. I would never point a gun at a noise or anything I wasn't planning to kill dead, but as that noise got louder and got to the edge of the thicket, I was looking down the barrel. Still on safe and finger off the trigger but still, you gotta know me to know how serious this must have been. I was actually shaking. Well it got to the edge of the water with about 40 yards of thicket before the open ground between us. It crashed about 10 or 15 yards and then went quiet deathly quiet. No sound, no frogs, no crickets, no birds, no nothing. I might have imagined it, but I thought I could hear something every now and then like it was slipping in on me. It was getting dark by then and to say I was skakin' would be an understatement. I never saw or heard anything else that evening but I walked out backwards right before dark. I was so put off by it, I had forgotten my bag, fanny pack today, Hanging on a nail in the stand. I realized that while I was driving home. I told my granddaddy about it that night and he of course made fun of me. If all that wasn't bad enough, here is the crazy part most folks don't believe. It was two days later before I got the nerve up to go back after my bag. I carried a shotgun this time as I felt more secure with it though I doubt I could have hit anything at this point. It was an old rabbit ear and I kept my thumb on the hammer the whole walk in. And of course I went in in midday. I kept my eyes peeled as I slipped in toward my stand. Like I said it was pretty open except the thicket which would be on the other side of my stand from where I was coming in. I got about 35 yards or so from my stand and glanced up. It was gone. I don't remember seeing it piled on the ground below, but it was not in the tree. I could see white all around where it was like the bark had been scratched and clawed all to hell and my bag was still hanging on that nail i never looked back into this day i have not been back to that swamp a few years after my little incident it was all clear cut and part of that swamp was filled in there are houses there now i have told a few people about it but i usually have to drink a few to talk about it like now Only one person has believed me but he won't tell me why. He also hunted the general area and I think he might have had a run-in with something as well. Not really asking anyone to believe this, just thought I would tell it. I have heard of plenty more strange things around these parts but I'll save them for another day. Sorry to be so long-winded. I've got a couple little stories that stand out in my mind. First one took place when I was about 14 or 15 when I lived in Arizona. My mom had taken my best buddy and I night fishing, like we did almost every weekend. We got to our usual spot, my mom pops the trunk for us to get our gear and we both stop and just look around the area. He got a strange feeling in the pit of his stomach and was saying we should probably go to one of our other usual spots. I shrugged it off, grabbed my gear and got about 10 feet from the car when I got a feeling like I was punched in the gut. I looked back, he was still by the car and agreed we needed to go elsewhere. So we get to our other spot, everything feels fine, and we had an awesome summer night of fishing. Until about midnight. We were out on this dock, probably 100 to 120 from shore and out of nowhere a monsoon kicks up. Literally out of nowhere one minute it's nice and calm no wind no nothing the next there's debris and dirt and all kinds of crap flying through the air and the rain and lightning kick on we throw crap in our boxes cut our lines and sprint up to the car on the half hour drive home we had about 30 feet of visibility and at least 60 miles per hour winds if we stayed at our first place we would have been hit harder as it was at the mouth of this little canyon and we would have been down a 15 to 20 feet hill second story same buddy as before except i was night fishing with his stepdad and two brothers when we got to this cove we saw a couple police cars a few coves over but didn't really pay it any mind we go down and start fishing but soon we're seeing a ton of boats going up and down the river in front of our cove then a helicopter joins the search It hovers about 50 feet the water's surface and is spotlighting everywhere. We come to the assumption that someone drowned, or got thrown from a boat earlier in the day. The boats and chopper are still doing their thing and we see something floating out in the middle of our cove. We all start getting on edge and just know it's who they're looking for and the current is carrying him straight to us. Turns out it was a plastic grocery bag, but it had a spooked. Turned out that the cove we saw the cop cars at was the site of a drowning. Divers found the guy in a 10 feet hole in the bottom of the lake. Third story. 2005 hunting season up here in Montana we went down by the Weiss River to try somewhere new since my little hunting party had all our opening week off. We get there, set up camp and there's still a few hours before the sun goes down. Everybody wants to stay in camp and BS and have a few beers, but I head out to get a feel for the area. Everything's fine and dandy, seeing a lot of elk and deer sign and think we have a darn good area. Then I find a couple logs that were quite obviously on the business end of a grizzly's claws recently. My alertness goes up and I start to head back to camp, but I have this nagging feeling. I stop about every 10 feet and look around. Nothing's there but I can't shake the feeling. I finally push it to the back of my mind and just trudge onwards. Well, as I come around this little mound of dead fall there's this insane racket and movement right in front of me. Well, it was no grizzly, but four grouse that had been sitting on the end of the dead fall. The stupid birds got cursed and needless to say when I got back to camp I had to change my pants. Four story. 2004 I came up to visit my mom and stepdad. They picked me up in Billings, we swung down through Little Bighorn and into Wyoming and camped for the night. Next day we did a quickie through Yellowstone and planned to camp somewhere outside of it and drive back to Helena the next day. They like to camp with nobody around, so we exit the park, and find this little road to go down. We wind around in the trees for ages on this road barely wide enough for a compact car we're in an F-250, and come to this little hill. We follow the curve to go up it, but there's a truck parked in the middle of the road on the hill and it has tree limbs and brush stacked around it. It's decided that we need to boogie out of the area as a really bad feeling washes over the the of us. We back down until we can get the truck turned around and get out of there a lot quicker than we got in. Well. On our way out, this little red Geo Metro-like car comes speeding up behind us and stays right on our bumper. Now we're all really on edge. We turn to go back out to the main road, but he follows, never slowing down. We turned the wrong way on the road and we came to the end of the pavement, but it continued in dirt and went down to a ratty mobile home. We pulled Tati's side of the road, stepdad grabbed his pistol, and the car flew past us, went behind the house came around the other side to face us and turned his lights off and just sat there we turned around and floored it back the right direction and got back on the main road we went down at a couple more miles before we pulled off on another dirt road and found a place to sleep we weren't there for five minutes and that nervous feeling was still in all three of us when we saw a flashlight moving back and forth through the woods beyond where we were parked once more we got the hell out of the area as fast as we could and ended up just driving through the night back to helena we never did find out what it was all about but we're sure it was either poaching or meth related when i was a boy my parents used to take me and my older sister to my relatives house in eastern kentucky right around Letcher Company the closest city is Whitesburg. My uncle, who taught me everything I know about the outdoors, lived in a cabin nestled in a holler way back up in the mountains. His place was at the base of a big strip mine seam up on the mountainside. As a boy he and I used to go sit out on his back porch at night and use predator calls to try and call something down out of the hills. Well one night he and I were out there using one of his tapes. We'd been out there for a good two hours and seen nothing so we were thinking of calling it a night. We were about to pack everything up when he realized his squirrel feeder was empty. He then decided to go fill it back up with seed. His feeder was about 50 yards away from his cabin on the mountainside and bordered the tree line. He walked up the hillside about 25 yards when his wife came out to see why we were still outside. The only light out that night was the light from his porch. He was about 35 yards up the hill and he called back and said he forgot his flashlight so his wife, my aunt, went back inside and got one of his spotlights. We had forgot to turn of the tape with the predator calls on it so I reached down to the tape player to turn it off when I noticed my aunt was as stiff as a board. I hit the off button and looked up at her and she had the spotlight shining straight up to the squirrel feeder where my uncle was at. I heard her say it's coming to you Jim. Jim is my uncle's name. He turned back and goes huh? Then a little louder that time she goes it is coming straight towards you Jim. That's when I looked up and saw a set of eye shines about 15 feet away from where my uncle was standing and closing in. Whatever it was it was massive. The eyes were about four to five feet off the ground. Also, whatever that creature was completely and totally got the drop on my uncle who has pretty much spent his whole life in the woods studying and tracking predators. Well, he was turned around looking at us with his back to the woods so we told him to freeze. We all just kind of stood there for about three minutes which seemed like a lifetime. It was dead silent no crickets, no sounds of the night. It was the most eerie and creepy three minutes of my life. It just sat there at the tree line staring at us all and us staring right back at it. The brush at the tree line was thick so we could not see what shape it was, just the eyes and where they were in relation to the ground. After those three minutes, my uncle slowly turned around to see what was about 15 feet away from him. With our spotlight on it, as he was about to turn and look it directly in the eyes it split. And for the next 15 minutes we could hear limbs cracking and snapping all the way up the side of the mountain as this animal decided to retreat. Scared the shit out of me, and my uncle literally. My uncle pissed himself. I think that was the thing that scared me the most about it was that he was so scared. He was shaking and I had never seen him like that. The other thing that scared us both is that we had been sitting out there all night listening intently and watching that tree line like hawks. Whatever animal or creature it was did not make a single sound coming down the side of that mountain. It never made a sound until it took off. I didn't sleep that night and neither did my aunt or uncle. I've had more than enough scary encounters in the woods. When I was out camping by Lake Erie I went fishing early in the morning thinking I'd go and see if I could catch a trout or something nice for breakfast. I was sitting on the little log I pulled up and I started to fish. Ten little perch and sunfish later I on about six or so I heard a loud crap about twenty feet behind me in the woods. I know it wasn't a bigfoot lol, it was a bear or something had to be because the cracks were big. I felt uneasy so I took off about 300 feet down the shore of the Litla lake. Again I started to fish and about 20 minutes later I heard more crashing behind me come from the area I had left. So I took my Litla catch and left. I came back about 8 p.m. that night to try for fun. It was about 20 in to sit in on the other side of the bay fishing and I heard a crashing soundling like a charge through the woods. I got the heck out of there and didn't go back fishing, good thing our five-day camp out was over. Two stories, both from my mother when she was a young teenager, first, she and a friend were walking down a back road in West Virginia. They heard some men and horses coming up the road and they hid in a ditch. She said it was very loud and they could hear the men's voices very clearly yelling at the horses, as if they were running a herd. She said the ground shook as the horses passed by them a few yards away. The girls were laughing because no one knew they were there and they were, after all, teenage girls. After the horses had passed, they looked out of the ditch down the road, and there were no horses, no men, no dust clouds and no footprints. Nothing either up or down the road. Second, my mother and her sister were walking back from the store at night. It was pitch black down the road to home. It was a clear night. Out of nowhere, a column of bright light lit them both up. It came straight down on them. She said it was not a flashlight, but a very pronounced, precise and intense beam of light, think close encounters. They dropped one of their shopping bags, picked it up and ran. They stopped running and got lit up again. They then ran all the way home. This was in the 1930s. Weird stuff. My wife's family is Native American. They have from time to time sweats. This is a form of prayer and cleansing. During the sweat you go inside a teepee shaped tent, usually a frame of wood covered by leather or tarps. In the center of the tent they dig a hole in the ground. They heat up big rocks in a fire until they are red hot then they put the rocks in the hole, everyone participating in the sweat sits inside encircling the rocks. Then they close up the tent and begin to throw water on the rocks. Steam forms in the tent and it gets very hot, a lot hotter than a sauna. The second sweat I attended, in New Mexico in my father-in-law's house, was really the first one I got proper instruction on the do's and don't. I won't go into details because the thread will be super long, but something my wife, girlfriend at the time, told me was not to lean back or try to avoid the heat. From what I gathered it was disrespectful to do so. So we get in the seat lodge and they throw in six or seven rocks inside the hole and the last rock they throw in kinda bounces out of the hole and partially lands outside of the hole right in front of me. I could already feel the heat from the rock near my leg, The sweat begins and as they pour water I can feel that extreme heat going up my body. I remembered what my wife had told me, but I felt like I was going to faint, not uncommon for that to happen in there. So I moved my back as far as I could, leaning it on the tent wall and I looked up trying to avoid the heat as much as possible. About a minute or so after I did this, I feel a push on my back like if someone was standing outside pushing on my back. It wasn't hard and at first I thought maybe I was imagining it. So I stayed there and a few seconds later I felt another push, this time a little rougher. I was so startled I almost jumped in the hole with the rocks. This was in my father-in-law's house in New Mexico and he owns a big property. There is no way there was anyone outside doing that to me. We were there alone. I later told my wife what had happened and she said it was most likely spirits telling me to do it right. The whole thing startled me, but not really in a bad way. Here is another story, I was at home here in Miami Florida one day. Alone with my dog. My dog is very calm and she hardly ever barks. Maybe if she sees a cat she will whine, but never really bark. So I am at home alone with my dog and all of a sudden I hear my dog start to bark. I had never heard her bark in this way. The kind of bark you get when you walk in front of a house that has a mean dog and you know if the dog were to get out it would tear you to pieces. So I get a little startled and go see what she's doing. I find her in a room where my wife had left an old briefcase where she keeps things they use in Native American ceremonies. My dog was standing right in front of the briefcase, which was standing up with the handle up and she was scratching at the floor right in front of it. She kept barking and barking. That really startled me. I had to pull her by the collar and kinda slap her around to stop. I told my father-in-law about that and he said spirits are attracted to that stuff because that's what they use in the ceremonies. One night, while vacationing in Florida, I camped out on the Wekiwa River with my wife. It was a wonderful day, and we made the most of it by paddling our canoes to a little island in the middle of the river and setting up hammocks among the sweet gum trees there. We hung the hammocks, had a fire, ate supper, and then relaxed in the hammocks while watching the sun go down. Couldn't ask for a better night. At some time, we were drowsy and fell asleep. When I snapped out of my deep slumber, I found myself sitting straight upright in my hammock. There was no sound at all, and the room was the type of pitch black that would make a coal miner uncomfortable. I am not easily frightened since I have spent a lot of time in the woods, but, I grabbed my flashlight and looked all around the little island to make sure that everything was okay. After that, I directed the light toward the floor. The island was overrun with carpenter ants, There were hundreds, if not millions, of them all over the place. They did not actually frighten me, and they are not especially hostile, but the sheer number of them is, to say the least, unsettling. I had no idea you could stand up in a hammock until my wife got up about this time. She was surprised to see me. And the scream that she sent out undoubtedly caused several blue whales in the Pacific to have their hearing damaged in some way. I tried asking her to calm down, and I prayed that they weren't going to harass us, but there was no turning back now, the camping vacation was finished. She expressed a desire to go at that very moment, with no more delay. I then reached around and grabbed a palm frond, ignited it with a zippo lighter, and used it as if it were a flaming broom to sweep the ants out of the path so that I could continue. We began to take up our belongings and put everything in the hammocks to protect it from the ants. After I had finished packing everything, I walked over to the canoe and turned it over so that it was facing the proper way up. The inside was pitch dark since they had commandeered our means of transportation. Additional shouting, with the primary theme being something along the lines of why did I let you talk me into this? After that, I grabbed yet another flaming broom and brushed the ants away. Then we got it in the water, and I had to piggyback my wife into the canoe in order to get her in without tipping it over. That was a very intriguing challenge. After that, I finished loading the boat, took down the hammocks, and we started paddling upstream toward the point where we had first entered the river. At night, the rivers of Florida are fascinating locations to explore since there are many alligators and other animals with glowing eyes roaming about. My wife refused to assist me in paddling, instead, she took hold of my lantern like it was a light saber and wielded it from side to side as if she were defending herself against Darth Vader. It goes without saying that the journey upriver was, to say the least, fascinating. We were ultimately able to get the launch after which we loaded up and headed back home. She will paddle a kayak, but not a canoe even to this day. On the other hand, she has no problem getting into a kayak. When I was in my early teens, my family and I began to notice small dead animals appearing around our home and property. After the first week of this, we began to become a little paranoid about who or what was doing this. A little research by my father showed that our area had been known for some witchcraft rituals back in the day. Associated with the witchcraft practices were the placing of small piles of stones stacked on top of one another. Within the next few weeks we began to spot small piles of rocks forming near our home and in the community. One day I happened to be one quarter mile from my home, down a dirt and gravel trail along a large creek. While I was milling around, I caught a glimpse of something very peculiar. In the middle of the creek, on top of a large boulder, there was a stack of rocks about three feet high. It gave me the willies to see that, knowing what it might be symbolic of. Another time my dad happened to look out of our back porch window and saw amongst the scrub grass and underbrush, a pile of stones about two feet high in position so there would be a hole in the center of the pile. My dad investigated it and looked through the hole, our house was perfectly centered in it. By mid-spring I decided to take a video camera and do a little investigating in the woods behind my home. Dressed in my woodland BDUs and combat boots, I headed off to see what I might uncover. Before entering the forest I saw a dead garter snake with its head pulled off. It was a little spooky. Fifty yards into the wilderness I found what appeared to be a bird that looked like it had exploded. Feathers, blood, and body parts were scattered. I ended up going down into a marsh to check the soft ground for tracks and could not find anything for the first hour of trying. Getting a little tired, I went over to some hard ground, plopped myself down, and took a breather. There were still a few patches of snow in the area and I happened to look down at the one next to me. What I saw sent chills through my body. A human footprint, sized larger than my 10 and a half boots, which I would estimate was 11 to 12 FFT. I could see the toes, arch, and heel. Plopping my dad's VHS camcorder on my shoulder, I filmed the print next to my foot for a comparison. Seeing that print spooked the heck out of my and I quickly left the area and showed my video findings to my dad, mom, and sister. They quickly thought I was making up the entire story of the footprint, even when I showed them the videotape of it. I asked how I could make such a large footprint with my own foot, considering my foot was smaller. They had no explanation and began to wonder if something was really out there. Over 15 years later I still have not been able to explain the large footprint. Why would someone travel all the way out into a marsh just to put their bare foot into the already melting patch of snow? Where I grew up as a child, behind our house, was the end of town. It was nothing but open valley floor and sparse patches of forest. I was always a very explorative child, a trait I got from my dad, and constantly found myself spending my summers exploring all the land behind our house had to offer. Three particular places come to mind when I started reading this thread. There was an open field about two miles from my parents' house that had three very large oak trees that formed a peculiar triangle. I had been there many times before, and with each visit there was this odd odor that hung in the air. I would only notice inside the large triangle of the trees I later in life learned that the smell was of death. One of the last times I ever made my way to those trees was when I stumbled upon a pile of dead ducks. It must have been at least 50 or 60 dead ducks in the middle of the three trees. I didn't know where they came from or who put them there. There weren't any lakes close by and no roads led to the site. It wasn't until my late teens that i saw a similar pile of dead ducks out in the canals that border my hometown i came to find out from a friend that it was some sort of local cult that performed the killings and pilings of the ducks my second experience took place a mile or so away from the oak trees it was an abandoned farm that i only visited one time on the property was a white two-bedroom farmhouse wraparound porch dinner bell red trim and lots of windows. Adjacent to the house was a very dilapidated barn. As I entered the house, what appeared to be a hunter came walking around the corner from the kitchen, rifle in hand. He was just over six feet tall, short brown hair, mustache and beard, dressed in a plaid long sleeve, jeans and boots. He was very nice and introduced himself as Jim, and said that he was hunting rabbits in the area. He began to tell me about the house, the barn and the family that lived there. He said the family just up and abandoned their farm one day and were never seen again. They left all their belongings and took nothing with them. This was clearly evident in the house. We walked out to the barn where he showed me old black and white photos of the farm and the family. I couldn't believe everything was just left behind. Well we said our farewells and he invited me and my parents to join him and his wife for dinner sometime. He said you could see his house from behind the barn and that it was just a couple miles away. As I was walking away from the barn, I got this terrible nagging feeling. Something in my head was telling me to go back to that house and look around some more. I went back, snooped around a bit. I realized Jim was gone. I looked all over the place outside and in the barn i walked behind the barn to see if i could see jim walking back home and there was nothing nobody was around i looked in the direction that jim told me he lived and there was nothing a couple days later i braved up enough to look for jim's house i found it all right or at least where a house once stood all that was left was a burnout foundation there was nothing else around the area just plain fields and low grass. Lastly, because I was just a kid and had to share these stories and places with my dad, we went out one weekend so I could show him what I saw. I took him to the three oak trees and confirmed to him the smell of death in the area, and we went to the abandoned farm followed by a short walk to the burnout foundation. My dad was very intrigued by all this because he had similar, albeit much more frightening experiences. When he was my age at that time, we ran into some Union Pacific Railroad tracks and decided to take them in a roundabout way back home. On our way we found another abandoned or so we though, shanty. We started walking towards it, when about 50 yards from the front door, every fiber of my being was screaming at me to stop. My dad got a little stiff-legged and before I said anything, told me we should just leave this one alone. I never could make myself go anywhere near that shanty run-down place. I've been out there a couple times since, and it's still standing, and to this day, I can't get close to it. The feelings get so overwhelming sometimes that I can't even stand to look at the structure. So those are some of my scary tales of the outdoors. I have a couple more, even a legacy creature that involved my dad when he was younger, and me, many years later many, many miles away from what happened to him. But I've written plenty for now. Hope you all enjoy. I was 10 years old and on a canoeing trip in northern Wisconsin at a cabin owned by my oldest brother. The nearest people were an old farming couple that had a place two or three miles down the road. We used to draw water from their well. We had just arrived at the cabin and unloaded, and my brother told me to stay and continue unpacking while he went to get water. We had brought our pointer along, and shortly after he had left I got this strange uneasy feeling like I was being watched. The dog then gets up from a bunk and starts growling and slowly pacing between the window and door. It was getting dark and as I peered out of the only window, I could not see anything, but I was scared and I could not calm the dog. Something was out there watching and circling the cabin. I grabbed my brother's single action 45 and the dog and climbed into the bunk placing my back against the wall. I was just a scrawny little kid and could barely hoist the pistol. I had my thumb on the hammer and finger on the trigger resting the barrel on my bent knees. The dog continued with her low growl and we sat there for what seems like an eternity alternately watching the window and door. Finally, I heard the J-20 bouncing down the fire trail so I eased the barrel away from the door. My brother walked in and was shocked to see me backed against the wall sitting on the bunk with my dog and the hog leg, and in his words white as a ghost. The next day we visited another neighboring cabin located five miles or so in the opposite direction of the farmhouse to see if the owners were there. No one was there. But something had recently scratched and chewed all four corners of the cabin's exterior walls to a height of six or seven feet. Most likely a bear. I had another startling occurrence while living in Southwest Missouri. Some friends and I were doing some night cat fishing from shore on the James River and periodically running our trot lines. We were sitting along the shoreline with a nice fire going accompanied by the usual idle talk and a few beers when suddenly everyone just stopped talking like a switch was flipped off. We were all staring across the river and felt as if something or someone was staring back. It was a very uneasy feeling, to which some of the group tried to shake off with the typical macho humor, when a blood-curdling sound erupted from the other shore that froze everyone in their tracks. This sound was unlike any other that I had heard and it made every hair on my body vibrate and tingle. The only way i can describe it is it sounded like a wild person with no language skills was being gutted alive no words just this high-pitched blood-curdling noise slash scream nobody moved or said a word we all just sat there fixed in our stare when just as suddenly a second noise slash scream was let loose with even more force than the first By this time several of us were sprinting to our trucks that were parked within 20 or 30 feet and retrieving various firearms. We all sat there quietly with our eyes fixed staring toward the opposite shore watching the light from our fire reflecting off the rocks. Hours later we packed it up and left feeling very unsettled. We never did figure that one out or even hazard a guess as to what was on the opposite bank. I was camping in a remote part of a national forest in North Carolina. It was late and I found a small hide and pond they call it a lake in North Carolina but where am from it's a big pond. So I decided to make camp for the night and to do some night fishing. I don't carry a watch with me when camping or my cell phone I like the privacy and the sense of being alone. I do however carry my tomahawk that I can throw quiet well my bowie nice and my two side arms 12 gauge and my 44 mag. The .357 isn't big enough for the woods because it has a 2.5 inches barrel. So sometime in the night I just get that danger feeling and at the same time my two sleeping dogs the pit slash bull mastiff and bull terrier just jump up and go into a frenzy I have never seen before and I was scared because I could feel and see the fear in my dog's eyes. I've never seen them scared like this before so I'm about to shit myself because I'm in a very bad spot to defend myself and have no idea what is out there. I have my shotty loaded with bookshot and grab it now the dogs are getting closer to me and more violent in their barks and movements. So I shoulder my 12 and grab for my sure fire. I turn it on and about 4 feet in front of my dogs is a bear. I wanted to shoot it but I was hoping that it would run away. Now for bear size it was small but they aren't big in North Carolina but it made my big dog look small. About the time I decide to shoot my pit attack the bear then the bull terrier joined in to help. It was bad and the bear threw slash claw slash slapped the pit loose and I was too afraid of shooting my bull terrier to shoot. Then the bear flung him off but about that time the pit came back. To make a long story shorter this happened several times before I could shoot the bear several times with the buckshot to bring it down. I had to carry both my dogs to the truck and rush them to the vet. I don't know if the bear would have attacked if the dogs would have never attacked but I do know they kept the bear off me and would have died to save me and I will never ever go anywhere without my dogs after that day. After seeing that I feel safer when my wife is home alone with the dogs than with a gun. I was walking around some woods that are about to be cut down to put up a housing development. The development has been started and has a handful of houses in it already, so the roads have been cleared going back into around a 20 or 30 acre plot of land. I was near a road and saw a car drive by and could hear it go to the end of that road. I didn't think much of it as I myself have driven down that road lots of times just to see how much work has been done. I walked around the woods some more and then after about 5 minutes heard what sounded to me to be a muffled small caliber gunshot. I never have been much of an optimist so the first thought that comes to my mind is this guy just shot himself. I saw the car and could see he was alone, I was just about to start walking in the direction of where I heard the car stop, when a bird flew down and landed in the trail just a few yards from me. It was getting dark so I couldn't see it but because it was whistling I could tell it was a whippoorwill. Is that spelled right? Anyway, I tend to walk towards small animals like this just to see how close I can get. As I got closer it flew just a foot or three at a time away from me like it was trying to lead me somewhere. Of course as this is happening I am laughing to myself thinking this bird has set a trap for me and I am about to be attacked by a hundred of these things. But shortly after that I lost it in the woods as by this time it is just about 8pm and is too dark to see more than a few feet. Because it is too dark to see I start to walk back to the road. When I get about 20 yards from the road I see a van drive down and can hear that it went to where the car is. After that I didn't hear any sounds come from that way but I can bet that if that bird had not distracted me then I would have been near there when that van pulled up. I have not heard anything on the news about this. Around two in the morning, a friend of mine and I were camping on a mountaintop in western Maryland when we heard a really unusual sound that sounded like chirping, whistling, moaning, and grunting. Coals were all that was left of the fire, and we were struggling to keep our eyes open at that point but this served to raise both of our awareness. It sounded like a combination of a person and an animal, but all of the sounds came at once and were followed by a whistle. The sound was coming from the bottom of the hill and the distance between them is somewhere between 800 and 1000 yards in my estimation. Therefore we loitered for a few more minutes before coming to the conclusion that it was time to call it a night. After 15 more minutes, I heard the identical noise around 40 to 50 feet distant from my tent. It was really loud, and it frightened the living daylights out of me. I went outside with the flashlight but didn't find anything and didn't hear anything. After 10 minutes, another one of my friends staggered out of his tent carrying a single shot weapon and said, did you hear that? I responded by saying, yeah, fantastic reaction time with the gun by the way. friends and i were riding our dirt bikes up and around a mountain trail that we knew well in british columbia in early spring dusk was coming in and with the tight trails it seemed darker than it actually was to add to this there was about 12 to 14 feet of snow on this old forest trail my bike had a headlight and the best rear tire to make a trail in the snow so i led i was riding ahead of them and stopped to wait for few minutes I could hear them coming from further away than I thought, so I just sat on the bike and waited. Then the feeling of being watched came over me, it was not a fearful or in danger type of feeling, just that something was there nearby. It was undeniable. you just know. As living beings we are energy, depending on the individual you may be sensitive to other energies and know that something is there. I removed my helmet and was scanning the area. There about 20 feet away on the edge of the trail was one of the most magnificent sights I have seen, it was a grey wolf just watching me. It showed no fear or aggression, just watching me with this poise and strength. I did not fear it, but I certainly sensed it. This happened about 20 years ago and I remember it as vivid as if it was yesterday. I then understood how aboriginals can sometimes state that a certain animal may be a reincarnation of a deceased tribe member. This wolf had this poise and look of experience, as if it had been there before and was just letting me know it was there. My little encounter took place in the middle of Washington State while I was on a training mission for the military. I have spent most of my life in and out of the woods, but I have never experienced anything that creeped me out more than that day when I was training. It seemed to be tracking our patrol movements. When we stopped, it stopped, and when we moved, it moved with us. I could not shake the feeling that I was being watched all the time when we were in the area next to the lake, and the range. I was hitchhiking from Florida to New Jersey when I was picked up by a small flatbed truck somewhere in Georgia and getting on into the dark hours. The guy was very friendly and said he was just coming back from delivering tomatoes from his farm in NC. I was a hippie and he was an average hardworking Bible believing man of the land but we got along well. Anyway, during those days there was no Interstate 95, just good old Route 1. The stretch along Georgia slash South Carolina was quite sparse then. There was nothing but smallish scrub pines for miles on end, no houses lit and nothing moving on the road but us. Sometime around 3 a.m. there was a sudden burst of white light followed by two more bursts spaced about one second apart. Everything lit up with a brightness I never experienced till then or after. The shadows came directly down meaning that whatever caused the flashes was directly above us. No noise. None but for the sound of the truck. I stuck my head out the window and saw nothing. The flashes also partially blinded me so my vision wasn't the greatest. There were no clouds or rain so it wasn't lightning. For some reason I asked the guy to stop but he just floored that old truck and didn't say a word until daylight. I have no idea what caused those flashes, but I still get goosebumps to this day thinking about it. I'm constantly terrified by those gut level sensations of something being off, of being seen, or of a hidden threat. However, one day while I contemplated whether to go fishing or not, I had a tremendous need to leave Dodge. I had just taken off my pack and found a place to rest when I had the strangest feeling that someone was watching me from behind. I stood up and went approximately 400 yards downstream to a location where there was a bigger clearing between the river and the higher bushes and trees. Bit going, all I could see or hear were some old deer footprints and some dried mud, but as soon as I started searching for a place to stop for a while, the sensation returned. I just assumed that I was being foolish since I could see very well, from approximately 100 to 175 yards, all around me. I consumed some of the food I had packed while keeping an eye on my surroundings while I considered which lure to employ. For a time, the emotion vanished. After an hour of unsuccessful fishing, I had to use the restroom. I got up and headed back into the bush to do so. Standing there, The feeling returned even more strongly than before. My shitting the ground was all I could hear. No breeze, no animals of any type, no birds. I completed and strode back to my position. As soon as I arrived, I knelt down to pick up my pole and heard my father shout my name clearly and loudly in a voice that made it plain that I had to follow his instructions without question and immediately. My father had died three years before my whole body became instantaneously energized as numerous people have reported the wolves mountain lions and bears that are known to inhabit the region where i was were just beginning to make a comeback s e washington however i had not seen any signs or heard from anybody else indicating that they had been been there for some time i quickly gathered my belongings and packed my luggage However this time I placed my S and W686P on my hip instead of keeping it in my pack as additional weight in case of snakes. I don't often prefer to open carry this way. When I strapped my pack on, the sensation of danger grew even greater. After a few feet, I froze stiff as I went returning to my pickup in the same direction I had entered. I was unable to exit the way I entered. I spent almost 20 minutes standing there listening and watching but i heard nothing the river hardly made any noise since it was moving slowly i glanced all about me becoming more uneasy each time i turned to face the route i had just come down the route circled back to my pickup but it required a longer walk about two miles than it had when i had entered i took the long way home since when i arrived to my vehicle The driver's side and tailgate had been severely scraped by something. I was in a reserved parking space that had recently been regraveled, so I have no idea what it may have been. There were scratches, but I was unable to locate anything that seemed to be a human or animal's print. Until I reached the top of the hill and was ready to return to pavement, I continued to feel in danger. A game warden and a sheriff's officer were parked and conversing when I eventually reached the road's T intersection. When I drew up, they were sort of blocking the road. They got out and approached my vehicle to speak with me. When I reported that my vehicle had been all beaten up while parked, they became silent, lost their grins, and exchanged glances. The discussion had began properly when I explained that I had been fishing unsuccessfully down by the river and had chosen to come back. They inquired as to my parking time, whether i traveled up or down the river, and if I had seen anything unusual in the area. I said that I only saw a few scuffs on the gravel. I omitted any mention of strange sensations. Once again, they exchanged glances before saying, okay, have a great day and driving off with their trucks in tow. All of this took place between 10 a.m. and 3.30 p.m. Late in May 2005. I never returned since, at the end of June, I relocated to Spokane. Being alone out there would have led others to assume that I was being too cautious. But everything seemed much weird because of how those two police officers behaved. I'd want to return sometime. I'm going to bring a friend however, maybe even my shotgun. Last May my mom, my kids, and I went to a trailhead about 10 miles outside of town. It is a very popular equestrian trail and has many little trails down the a river. We hiked down to the river and were there for a while. On our way back up the trail something was wrong. All of a sudden it felt like my heart was going to jump out of my body, I got goosebumps on my arms, and I was panicked. I made everyone walk a little faster and right next to me. I looked around for something in the bushes, but couldn't see anything. Even though there were several people on horses at the trailhead, I made an excuse to get in the car and leave as soon as possible. The next day there was a radio report that a large mountain lion was seen at the same trail later that day. It crossed the path of someone on horseback, so the sheriff was worried that it might be aggressive toward people. That was one of the few times my husband didn't come with us. He always carries a weapon and since then I won't venture on the trails outside of town without him. I am a big chicken. The only time I felt lost was in the middle of a large wilderness area in remote Wyoming and walking for two hours without finding my way out. Finally did but was one of the few panicky experiences I have had in the wilderness. Another was when a terrible lightning and thunderstorm caught me near a mountain top. And other lightning storms went in my tent. I try not to hike after dark but have a few times. Bears, mountain lions. Owls and other night creatures are abundant after dark and I don't like to be in their way. I have heard huffing and grunting in the deep woods, which I think and hope was a bear. I also do not jog in the woods or areas where mountain lions are. I heard of a jogger in Colorado getting killed by a mountain lion while jogging. One sorta scary thing is that I saw a large brown blur move off a large log in the deep forest. Well. It was on the edge of my mountain land where the national forest borders. I hoped it was a bear although the bears are supposed to be black but it could have been a rare cinnamon black bear. Another thing that I have seen more than once is looking at a tree and a small branch and dead twigs move like someone plucked at them. I am sure someone can explain that. I also refuse to watch the movie The Blair Witch Project since I live on my remote thickly forested mountain land from June to November. Maybe I will watch it whenever I get my underground cabin slash bunker completely done. I try not to think of Bigfoot and if they exist hope they hang out in the Northwest US. I have listened to the late night Art Bell radio show a few years ago and it was pretty scary when he played the howl of a Bigfoot screaming while I was laying in my tent in the middle of the deep, dark forest. I've had a few experiences that set me on edge. Probably the freakiest of the experiences was while on a trip in 2004. I remember the year because it was the year before Katrina hit. I had taken my son on a trip to the Gulf. On the way home, I got tired of never-ending road construction on the route I'd planned and scooted over to the Natchez Trace Parkway. I was pretty tired, and it was late. We stopped at a campground and figured on sleeping through the rest of the night in the cab of the truck. I didn't want to bother with the tent for a short night's sleep. From about 10 minutes after we pulled into that campground, about 6-7 to seven sites filled, every hair on my neck and arms stood straight up. I felt chilled even though it was a hot summer night. I have absolutely no good explanation about why I felt this way. I truly tried to sleep there that night. I tried to settle into the cab of the truck with my pillows I wasn't about to get out and set up the tent, and get some rest, but nothing doing. It simply wasn't going to happen. My feelings only grew in intensity, until I knew we just had to get out of there. We left and I have never been back. I doubt I ever will, since it still creeps me out to think about that experience today. There is no sensible reason, but I'm not about to ignore such a warning. There is too much we don't know about our universe.